Welcome to What The If. Philip Shane here, filmmaker of documentaries and not rocket scientist. Well, maybe by the end of the episode, though. By the end of the episode, we may all be rocket scientists. We can at least imagine that voice you hear is the voice of Professor Matthew Stanley of New York University, a star of stage and screen like all professors, I assume now. Uh, well, that's right. Whether you like it or not, we are all uh, screen stars. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Um, have you got any tips for professors? Any Zoom tips? No, I'm terrible at it. Uh, there's no uh, no way around that. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> it's um, it is very different than um, what I've been doing for the last twenty years or so. Yeah. Uh, so it's taking a little while to get used to. Indeed, for the students as well. I think mm -hmm. I've learned to take breaks like every twenty minutes. Oh, it would be hard to run a class with taking a break every twenty minutes. But, yeah, uh, or just a that. quick, quick like stand, or not twenty minutes, really half hour. Mm -hmm. Fine keep people fresh um but with audio we don't have that problem audio it's relaxing it goes right into your brain as we are right now that's right and we have an exciting if today uh i was listening to a i don't know one of the many news sources that i listen to uh, that we are all consumed with and uh they used the phrase uh, it's not rocket science. And then I thought, what the if nothing happened because the... <laughs> uh, well, we know what would happen then, right? Those, <laughs> those of you listening are enjoying a long series, long running series of me learning to use the live music <laughs> cues in the program. And um, it's... It is rocket science as far as I'm concerned, but I heard that phrase, What's, what if it's not rocket science? And I thought, what the if? Rocket science was not rocket science. What if rockets were easy to make? What if rockets were as easy to make as soapbox derby cars and uh before the show um i'm gonna bring howard in here a little bit too uh, our, our fabulous um staff member uh howard jung is here uh howard how are you i'm good i'm good and uh we were explaining to howard who is a young a, a youth the youngster compared to us and um was not familiar with the term soapbox derby. And I confess, I'm, I, I don't know, it reminds me of just of like watching Dennis the Menace or My Three Sons or some show, on, <laughs> some black and white show. But you mentioned, Matt, you, you have done soapbox derbies. Yeah, that's right. So back when I was in the uh, Cub Scouts, we used to, to do projects like that. Um, so soapbox derby was sort of a um, uh, generic term for build your own crummy vehicle out of stuff you find in your garage um and then you would uh have little races with them and see how they go that's right that's right uh 
could be a cardboard. Well, maybe something sturdier than cardboard, maybe like an apple crate. Yeah, exactly. Sort of a thin wooden box would, was the, the prototype. Right. Now, did wagons count as soapbox derby material? Like the radial flyer. Oh, wagon. no, that would be cheating because that okay. would be mass produced. You're supposed to do a, a bad uh, job with it yourself. Got, um, it. got it. Got it. Got it. And uh, do you remember were some of the other, what, was this something you would build with parental supervision? Uh, that was the ideal, yes. It was supposed to be a, a bonding kind of exercise. Yeah. And how did that go? <laughs> now, I used to teach, uh, when I was in high school, I taught uh, eighth grade soccer. I, I taught soccer to, I don't know, anyway, young kids. And I remember the experience that uh, before I started doing the coaching soccer, I thought I was worried about the kids, that the kids would be hard to manage or, you know, whatever. They could be misbehave and stuff like that. They were fine, actually. They were great. Coach Shane, you know, they obeyed all his wise suggestions. Oh, wow. The parents, a nightmare. Yeah, yeah that's a whole other thing. Why aren't you putting my son in? He should be in. And, and the worst, the parents who would... I remember I felt worst for the um, one kid, one boy, young boy, who was the goalie, really had it hard because the goal, the, being the goalie meant he was in the goal, which was up against one of the sidelines, and his dad would stand there <laughs> just constantly, watch out, you know, do this kind of stuff. So the other kids, at least if they got to run around the middle of the field, they could be socially distanced from their uh, obsessive parents. But um, were there any highly competitive we're, we're, like how how competitive did it feel when you were oh um yeah as you say it was really about the the parents um is uh whether or not they wanted to to be jerks or not right so very <laughs> and so honestly. you would paint us paint us a picture would you you were raced down a hill of some kind um yeah they'd find some gentle slope um that was unlikely to result in injury um oh. and mark off some short distance and then uh give it a roll and what was your entry into this race? Oh, I did it for a couple of years. Um, unremarkable. Uh, I was not very good. That's a good name. At this. Helming the, the, the USS Unremarkable. Um, but as I recall, there would be awards both for uh, the winner, sort of who made the best vehicle, and the and then also a separate award for best decoration. And I would often win oh. best decoration. Um, uh -huh. Interesting. What was your decoration? I don't remember. Probably some vague Star Wars theme. If I recall, right? <laughs> Good accessories. Yeah. Good accessories. So Howard, Howard, did you have any kind of uh, activity like this when you were growing up? Um, I vaguely remember. Um, Probably not. Probably not. That's why I was really unfamiliar with the term, you know, soapbox challenge. Even though I've, I've seen pictures of it before, but like I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Right. And do we, why is it called soapbox? Oh, because soap used to be delivered back in sort of the, the mid 20th century um, in these uh, boxes that were about the right size for a kid to sit in. Oh, interesting. So that was so it was a thing that everybody had sitting around. It's not that the bar of soap was the size of a kid. No, it was uh, you would get soap delivered in a, a box. Trying to think of some equivalent size thing today, like I don't know, microwave size maybe. 
Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, microwave or 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 a, maybe a little bit like a small wagon, maybe yeah, something like that. A bit like that, but wagons not allowed. Um, so the great ship, unremarkable. The great race car, Formula mm -hmm. One, unremarkable. I, this is a great. It's like un, it's like the opposite of an unobtainium. <laughs> yes, that's right. Hey. Everybody had it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so the question is, what if rockets, rocket space travel, well, at least the rocket part. Yeah, let's just stick with the rockets for now. Yeah. Was as easy. What if rockets were as easy to build as these soapbox derby cars or. Yeah, you make them out of. What's the minimum requirement? So first of all, this this requires a pretty significant adjustment to physics, perhaps. Yeah. So maybe we should think a little bit about how rockets work first and then we can uh, we can go from there. Right. Um, so, for instance, why can I not in our world? Pre if uh, before the if arrived, I would not have been able to get a, call, a wooden box <laughs> and strap a I don't know what a bunch of fireworks. Yeah, to I it. mean the short answer is because you don't want to die. <laughs> um, so the I mean the the essence of a rocket is you take a. Um, a container. I mean, they're traditionally cylindrical, but I guess there's actually no reason they need to be. Oh, interesting. Um, and yeah. you close up one end, and then you put something explosive inside. Uh, and when you blow up the explosive, the, I mean, well, actually, maybe we should take one more step back. When we say explosion, what we mean is something that uh, burns really, really fast. Okay. And uh -huh. when uh -huh. something burns, it turns into gas that is hot and that gas right. expands rapidly. Okay. That's so, interesting. Oh, yeah. so I never thought about that. Explosion so really the, is the speed really of the burning. Right. Yeah. So, and I should say there's actually, there, I don't know, there's some chemist listening to me right now who's very upset because there's a technical difference between something that burns really fast and an explosion, but I'm going to hand right. wave that. But that's uh, a no-win game because chemists are often, they're just upset by nature. Yeah. On the other hand, they know how to make alcohol, so they still get invited <laughs> to parties. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, generally an explosion is just um, something that expands really fast. Um, and if you get in the way of that expansion, then you get hurt. Or if you can use that expansion to say fling small pieces of metal, then you get a grenade. Right. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the trick with rockets is you put something that explodes inside a container that has one opening in it. So all of the expanding gases go in one direction. Right. And then the reaction force from that expansion pushes the container away. Right. Um, and we call that a rocket. Yeah. Okay. That's the essence right. of a rocket. So right. as soon as you have um, something like gunpowder that gives you an explosion, gives you one of these ex rapidly expanding fields of gas, um, you can make a rocket. So in fact, um, this is what happens is uh, someone in China invents uh, some version of gunpowder a couple of thousand years ago, mm -hmm. and they immediately stick it inside uh, a box and use it to make rockets. So essentially <laughs> rockets were invented as soon as gunpowder was invented. Um, right. And they're used for fun early on, um, as opposed to being for, for weapons or transport or whatnot. 
Um, yeah. So already, in fact, what, what we're seeing is I'm imagining they, they had similar things to soapbox derbies before they invented this rocket, perhaps. Um, they probably had uh, horses or other animals that would pull a cart, perhaps. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, all kinds of transport. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is propulsion. Is what we're talking about. Right, so in other words, which is a little different. Right. So starting with the soapbox derby car, the, the key aspect to that, in fact, the difference between that and a more familiar term to me, which is go-kart. Go-karts don't have to be powered, but I think when I think of go-karts, we think you go to the go-kart track, that is a motorized car. It's often a lawnmower engine. Yeah, that's right. They often are. That's right. Um, that's right. So actually, so I guess one of the questions you might ask is, so if they had wagons and they had rockets, why didn't they strap the rockets to the wagon? Um, Ah, uh, right away. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the answer is again, no, because you don't want to die. Um, so there's a, uh, let's see here. What's the right way to say this? Um, the, the science that governs rapidly expanding gases is called fluid dynamics. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and right now, if there are, say, mechanical engineers listening, um, they're having traumatic flashbacks to third-year mathematics classes um, in which <laughs> they had to do the mathematics for, for fluid dynamics. Um, and that's because the mathematics is unpleasant, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, it's nonlinear. Okay. Um, so most mathematics that you interact with uh, is linear. Most of the calculations you do. And what, what I'm about to say will seem so uh, obvious that it seems kind of how could it be otherwise? So in regular mathematics, that the sort you probably learned in high school, um, if you double the input, you double the output. Double the input, you double the output. Okay. Right. Sure. It'd be like, so how could it be otherwise? Right. So I push on right. this thing twice as twice as oh. hard and it goes twice as fast. Okay. Most of our oh. daily interactions are are linear in this way. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And if you take a basic physics class, um, all the math you learn will be linear in this sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that uh, fluids, and I should say gases of fluid, I don't think I actually said this yet, anything oh, that oh. flows, um, the mathematics that describes the motion of fluids and gases does not work this way. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you have a hose with, with water running through it, um, you might think, well, I'll double the how hard I'm pushing the water on one end, and then it will come out twice as fast the other side. Um, and in fact, this is generally not what happens, actually. So I don't know if you've ever been, say, been playing with fluids and hoses. Oh, um, yeah. I yeah so it. I don't know if you have if you've done this recently enough to remember I, what happens. If you I tried, actually did. Okay, yeah. so what happens when you try to jam twice as much fluid into your hose? Does it come so, out twice as fast the other end? Right. So to wash down our cat's litter box. Oh, God, help us. <laughs> I do periodically. Uh, I take it. We are we live in an apartment, so I take it down to the uh, the trash room, the sort of the utility room at the end of the hall. And in there is a hose and a drain and you can wash things. So I turn it on and. Um, you actually, you have to be very careful, by the way, you turn it on, there's under enormous pressure. So the hose, it's, if you're not holding the hose, it goes flying all over the place and you're immediately soaked, right? It's like a snake, you know, that's totally out of control. Right. All right. So, so I've learned that lesson. So I hold it and you turn it on just a little bit. Now it's coming out at a nice, reasonable rate, but you really want to hit that litter box with some power. 
Right. And I'm afraid to do it by turning up the faucet because the hose will go insane. And so I do what you said. I put my finger, my thumb slowly over the uh, mouth of the hose where the water's coming out. And yeah, you cover it up just a little bit and it, it, the pressure goes up enormously. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a good example, actually. And in all so, directions. Right. So I've got the hose attached to the faucet right. and I'm gradually turning up the faucet. And when the water is just trickling out of the hose, it does fine. The hose is perfectly well behaved. Right. Um, but there's some moment at which I turn it up a little bit more and then oh. suddenly the hose spazzes out, right? Ah. It starts spraying all around and gets totally out of control. So if this were a linear system, there would not be that sudden change. Okay, oh, so right. each okay. if I double the amount I've turned it, I just get twice the amount out and it's no big deal at all. Right. Um, but because fluids behave badly, there's a moment at which the water flow becomes chaotic is the technical term. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. the frustrating thing uh, about fluid dynamics is that it's really hard to tell when that will happen uh, ahead right. of time, right? Wow. Um, so uh, everything seems well behaved until suddenly it's not. Yes. And you can, what you're saying is it's not that you're inexperienced at this. No, it's that is it is the nature of fluid flow and gas right. flow um, that you get these sudden, unexpected changes in behavior. I feel like fire uh, firemen, fire people mm -hmm. must have to deal with this. Yeah, kind of that's thing. right. Um, so I would wager that. So, for instance, so if, um, firefighters, that, that's probably yeah, a good example. right? So I've got a nice hose that works well for shooting water at fires. So my intuition might be I want uh, to make the water go further. So I'm going to double the pressure that I use to drive the water and surely it'll go twice as far. Um, but in practice, what happens is if you increase the pressure a little bit, suddenly it gets totally out of control. So I would wager that the, I don't actually know anything about designing firefighting hoses, um, but I would wager that the size they use and the pressure they use are the results of many disasters, uh, disastrous attempts to make bigger hoses. And they've decided that that's the right size. Um, uh -huh. Uh -huh. And you can't just make a slightly bigger one or a slightly smaller one and have it work a little bit different. It'll work completely differently because fluid flow is a huge pain. Wow. So to get back to rockets, um, rockets have the same kind of problem as the hose uh, in your basement that wow. you use, right? I never thought of the, yeah, a similarity between rockets and hoses. So you can make a yeah. well-behaved rocket that's, say, a couple of feet long. And you uh -huh. say, OK, this, this works great. This is really good for um, well, I don't know what you would strap to a two foot long rocket, right? I want to get my gerbil to fly. Yeah. So it works great for gerbil propulsion. Yeah. Uh, so you say, well, surely I can just scale that up to my wagon. So my two foot rocket works fine. I'm going to make a four foot rocket of the same design and strap it to my wagon. Right. Um, but it turns out that uh, a four foot rocket with exactly the same design as the two foot rocket um, just explodes. Now with that, this is a little more subtle question, but did, is it if I had a one foot rocket 
and I got four of this, four separate ones. Mm -hmm. Yep. Would I also have the same problem, or nope, is it the length a better of the idea. thing? Yeah, it is the. Uh, uh, this is the weird thing about nonlinear chaotic phenomena: is four uh, of the small ones will work fine, but oh, a four oh, times as large single one doesn't work as well. Oh. So early rocket batteries, I should say, tend to be small, uh, just lots of small rockets strung uh -huh. together. Um, yeah. but you get diminishing and I should say, even if you look at sort of large scale rockets, like, um, oh, it's like the early Saturn rockets. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. many of them are just small rockets strapped together. Right. Well, for instance, this, you mean like the Saturn five? Yeah. Right. Which is five, which is five small five rockets strapped engines. together. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, so for the most part, rockets are, that are just kind of fun, um, uh, entertainment kind of things for right. a very long period of time because they're so hard to scale up. So they're used for military purposes for things like signaling um, uh, rather uh -huh. than attacking, right? Like Actually a flare. Blowing things up, basically. right? Yeah. yeah. Or for propulsion in some, in some larger sense. Right. So it really isn't until the early 20th century that um, you get people like, say, um, uh, Goddard, who mm -hmm. try mm -hmm. to think through this problem in a rigorous kind of way. Right. Um, and the, the general, or not the general solution, the, the solution that people um, like Goddard come up with uh, is to, instead of just having a, a solid rocket, which is, so we call it a solid fuel rocket in which the fuel is just packed in, like say mm -hmm. gunpowder, and then it just burns on its own. Um, you have liquid fuel rockets where you have control systems that dribble the fuel in, uh, in a precise way. So oh, you can right. control the explosion, um, uh, in a sophisticated kind of oh, way. This is interesting. So I was going to ask, cause basically this is how we get to something I was, was going to point out. The Saturn V, for instance, like we mentioned, you said, oh, it's five rockets, but actually it's, it's, one, it's one giant, let's talk about the first stage, it's one giant fuel tank, um, or, you know, has the different components of fuel, but they mm -hmm. get mixed together, right. uh, and it's five engines, but those engines are basically acting as individual rockets. So that's right. Yeah. So it isn't so much the engine per se that's hard to build. It's the control system that that burns the fuel in this specific way. Oh, um, right. So you can then control where oh. keep the rocket from exploding and keep from where it goes. Down, I didn't uh, realize that the I, when I always thought about, oh, oh, it's great. You know, hey, hey the idea to use fluids uh, like fuels. Um, as engines allows you to basically throttle, you know, you can just more fuel, more power, less fuel, less power. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was a matter of whatever, adjusting the power of the rocket. But what you're saying is actually there's all kinds of complex, what is it? Somehow the engine has to be, even, without computers even, I guess, how, how were they? Well, these are, I mean, this, so this is the problem, right? <laughs> <Is> that <laughs> right. People like uh, Goddard and Werner Braun Braun. Um, yeah. are working in yeah. the early 20th century when there are no electronic computers yet. So you right. have to build a mechanical system that can f can sense where the fuel is and how much pressure is going through it um, and regulate those things just in a mechanical way. So there's a sense in which it's an analog computer. I didn't realize, like, I, of course, I always, this, boy, I, this is kind of crazy because, like, I even, I, uh, I didn't work in building rockets wing of NASA, but I was <laughs> interned at NASA mm -hmm. a long time for a long time at the Goddard Space Center. In fact, oh, nice. named yeah. named mm -hmm. after Robert Goddard, right. uh, one of the early pioneers. And um, 
I in fact, I used to launch, I uh, was in a model rocketry club and we do all kinds of things. Those are solid fuel rockets. Mm -hmm. um, but basically fire. Uh, but I didn't understand. And, and so I've known, of course, a rocket and people say, oh, you're sitting on a bomb. It's inherently dangerous. I get all that. But really what you're pointing out is that in fact, it's, it's not just the fact that you're on an explosive device or, you know, a ton of rocket fuel. You're on something that is constantly wanting to go berserk. Yep, that's, that's right. That's a good wow. way to think about it. Um, <laughs> a rocket is just a controlled explosion. So when you say you're sitting on top of a bomb, that's right. right. Um, you just want it to explode in a careful Evenly, yeah. way, right? In this wow. very specific way. Um, and, Sorry, that, and, and just one last thing. Yeah. So what it means is basically you have to like be able to adjust the flow the amount of, if we're all we're talking about, for instance, is the amount of flow, the amount of fuel you're putting in. Mm -hmm. Very quickly, it would seem like, oh, it's starting to go crazy, so we need to pull That's back. Right. Yeah, so it has to respond very, very fast. Wow. Uh, which is hard to do if you don't yeah. have, say, an electronic control unit. Um, and then, as I said, fluids by themselves, just by their very nature, um, are uncooperative. So they do not respond well to controls um, on on a large scale, right? So it's not hard to build, you know, a desktop thing that controls fluids exactly the way you want. But right. if you if you need enough thrust to get yourself to orbit, then um, you have to build it on a large scale, and fluids don't scale well. Wow! And if they, and I should say, if they don't scale well, you die. Right. Yeah, you don't it's, scale well either. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so rockets are are inherently problematic, and when they are problematic, the consequences are terrible. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that makes it a tricky kind of thing to work with. Humans also don't like to go nonlinear. That is exactly right. You do not want to experience <laughs> nonlinearity first time. First time. Right. Exactly. Because um, momentum travels in a linear direction. Yep, that's right. And that's the kind of thing we generally have experience with, right? There's, yeah. um, I should say, there's a, a wonderful uh, popular science book called Storm in a Teacup um, mm -hmm. that uh, is sort of an introduction to thinking about fluids um, by Helen uh, Kazersky. That's uh, C Z E R S K I. Um, oh, cool. And so, if you want to learn a little bit more about this, um, that's right, a lot of fun. Right, right. Cool. Um, so, is there, uh, obviously, there's, when, when I think, when I look at those engines, um, rocket engines there's so complicated looking um is but is there some sort of principle or some sort of basic device that allowed them to like, how did they do this without a computer um, i don't know so this is i should okay. say this is not my my field of expertise so yeah. I, I liked when i was an engineer i built things that did not blow up um, <laughs> so i don't think there was like there was a, a specific valve or something that was involved uh, to make it work but right. rather that these are complex self-regulating devices um yeah that yeah, took yeah. a lot of work self-regulating right interesting <laughs> interesting interesting it's a little bit like um automated i mean automated cars for instance is a whole nother thing but uh similar kind of thing that it, something is able to constantly respond uh, to measure, respond to. So, okay, so now we want to do this. Mm -hmm. So if we could do this, uh, if rocket science weren't rocket science, it would mean that it's, uh, and it was soapbox derby science, which isn't even, which is hardly science. I don't know. It is definitely not, no. <laughs> <laughs> then um, the, 
Uh, we wouldn't have this turbulence. So the first thing we've already noticed, the entire world has changed. This, this is what I love about our scenarios. Mm -hmm. okay. We've said that this is the case. And so this being the case, in order for this to be the case, that you could build a rocket and go to space as easily as a kid can build a, a little race car out of junk that goes down a hill um, with just enough safety to make it through that one uh, journey. Mm -hmm. then um, that means there is no complex fluid dynamics. Yeah, that's right. So there are, I mean, there's a lot of consequences that will, that will come from, will flow from that, if you'll forgive yeah. the pun. Ooh, yes. um, flow very easily from that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if, first off, I mean, if rockets are easy to make, then, um, uh, for instance, the space race, no longer say in the 50s oh, and 60s no right. longer no longer is the something that only superpowers can do right so the reason right. that um only a few countries get involved in the space race is that um rockets are dangerous and difficult to build so only nations that can put huge amounts of resources into them will actually get into space um, right. but now it's no problem for the netherlands to have a space program right because they can just everybody can just build it in their backyard not just the netherlands but like every kid and with or without a parent mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's built in your backyard um, yeah, that's right. You're, if you don't, um, you uh, uh, you don't you don't want to wait for your driver's license. No problem. You just the twelve year old builds a rocket in their backyard and uh, propels themselves to school every morning. Wow. Yeah. That's which says something interesting about the world. Like something weird has had must have happened in the world. In other words, we do have cars, but kids don't drive them, even though the car is somewhat. You can't build a car yourself. That's right. So dad mm -hmm. or mom has to buy one, and that's the only way you might get access to one. Um, or you, you carjack <laughs> a, a, a car. Um, but this, this is even easier than that. This is, let's, so I'm going to go even further. This, no, this is insane. So easy that, um, it's as easy as a paper airplane. So okay. basically mm -hmm. anybody can do it, right? Yeah. Um, or building a kite, let's say. That, that's, you know, what if, it, it, you know, you can make a kite. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take very much skill whatsoever. Um, and interestingly, that led to the invention of the airplane, which is a whole other thing, but was harder. So you wouldn't need airplanes, possibly. Although I gotta say, rockets. Well, I so see, we can build rockets. Right. There's no control. I think the exactly first right. Rockets don't is. steer well, um, but yeah. maybe we can we can hand wave that too. Um, I think one of the big problems with rockets, though, is they don't stop well. Ah, <laughs> right? um, this yeah. is uh, a problem. So uh, you know, when we when you send the Saturn V up there, um, the the rocket detaches from whatever it is that you're trying to propel and then your capsule right with your uh, with your passengers um then typically lands in some non-rocket fashion okay puts up a parachute or something like that and then uh sinks although the right. yeah it seems that's interesting you say that because we've gotten to the era where thanks to elon musk mm -hmm. and spacex they now do land like rockets yep that's right. Um, and again, that's a control problem, right? I mean, right, Goddard right. 
could have imagined that no problem but he's yeah. but it but he would have said it's hard look it's hard enough to get them to go up to get them to come right. down in a controlled fashion forget it um right. which is you know which leads to Werner von braun's famous saying that he says uh, i just send the rockets up i don't care where they land <laughs> by, by which he meant they were landing in london and exploding uh, that's right that's right uh, because it's very hard to do that so it's only nowadays that we have sophisticated electronic computers um that can do that extra hard uh control system part of landing a right, rocket, right. it's even harder and gps basically well i mean and gps is nice no? but that's not the issue the the trick is just ah, that ah. Uh, you again you have to get the rocket down um uh you have to control the explosion in the rocket in such a fine way that it can land itself without exploding so even right, if you right, don't right. care about location um right or accelerometers at the very least some, all some sort. sorts of sophisticated things yeah 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 so you're starting to break up why don't you uh, turn off your video okay yeah um again. so um yeah so even kids if are got, that's right so kids, kids are taking off every everywhere so mm-hmm. all the all the cub scout groups rocketry is a thing yep. now um really the whole point of this scenario is that you can go to space i mean there was yes, no point right. talking about this otherwise right. so these aren't just rockets these are rockets that can go to orbit i mean once you're there you could go anywhere just depending on how much yeah i mean assuming that you survive the process yeah um so how much so 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 the fluid dynamics the chaos of the fluids we've said doesn't exist in this world which has radical changes for everything mm -hmm. right uh the amount of fuel you need is still the same right so how much i'm gonna need the reason the uh rockets that go to orbit uh, now remember the saturn V went to the moon so that was so let's say we don't have to go quite that far um we just need to get to orbit and that means we've got rac- rockets uh the amount of fuel we need is the amount of fuel they're using in the falcon 9 or you know yes yeah whatever that is that's right whatever so that's, these that, that's right so i mean you can think of it this way that there's a certain amount of energy in a certain amount of fuel um so you need a certain amount of fuel to get to orbit regardless of how hard it is to build your rocket. Right. Now, this is an interesting thing. And in, 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 let's take one tiny sidestep here into a more sociological perspective of these things. Which is, again, another thing I love about these ifs is that we can kind of bounce around a little bit to the effects on, on the, the world in this story. Um, it's interesting that the skill or the, the physics, let's say, needed to do something incredible isn't a it's not complicated at all but the resources to do it is still substantial for instance it reminds me of like building the pyramids to stack rocks that's right the stacking rocks is not difficult building the pyramids is difficult yeah yeah even there you could i mean that there's some there was some physics and engineering they had to develop and how to lift the rockets lift the rocks <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyway but yeah it was something so um we're in a world where you could go to space if you only had enough fuel so that says to me okay what's going to happen is um car rockets are going to be readily accessible like you could yeah they'll be as accessible as bicycles mm-hmm. sure let's say that you buy one and um 
the amount of fuel we use, especially in, in the U.S., you know, in these big cars and trucks and things like that. Um, I wonder how many how many gas tanks do you think? We oh need? well, we can check the. Let's ask our our friend Google. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. It says the Falcon Nine, right? Um, right. So fuel. Now you do need also a substantial amount of. It. It's still going to be. You're still going to need a lot of money. Oh yeah. Sounds. Well, th that's uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the trick is would be that you can do it in uh, dribs and drabs, <laughs> as it were. What was that? Uh, say again. Yeah, meaning you don't have to build one large fuel thing. Let me see here. We've got. Um, uh, we've got payload status launches. Hmm. Uh, I cannot find at an easy glance how much fuel this thing has. Um, but uh, so let's see, at a glance, it looks like, um, uh, you know, rockets are the size of large buildings. Yes. Yes. I actually got the fortune to be able to walk. I practically, we could walk very close, relatively speaking, to the Falcon 9 uh, when it was on the pad when I got to visit for um, the demo. Yeah. So, that's, so that's the scale of things. So any group that can build a large building should be able to build a rocket in our world. Right. So we're still, the Cub Scouts are not. Doing uh, that's, that's right. One den of Cub Scouts is not, but a large church could. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, they could build about, one. They could build one. They could build one, yeah. Um, right. Or, yeah, that's right. So I think that's about right. If you can build a large church, you can build a rocket in this world. Um, so your local group of Presbyterians um, right. can build a rocket. And let's say it's, it's, a, it's a modern SpaceX rocket that can land itself. Um, so in other words, it's reusable. So... Um, Churches could go places, so the church retreat could be on the moon. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Although, right. again, the moon rocket, I feel it needs to be a lot bigger. A lot bigger. Yeah, that's right. We can, for, the, for our purposes, we can probably hand wave the orbit versus um, right. difference. Right. At least right. they well, let's say they can go to the space station. Yeah, they can have the church picnic in orbit, which is pretty cool. Right. Right. Which, in fact, means they, there is a church. There's an orbiting church. Yep, that's right. And uh, uh, and say the the Mormon missionaries will be following you everywhere you go. <laughs> so even if you're in orbit, two young, well scrubbed gentlemen will here they come. your doorbell to talk. About. Right, right. Now I'm gonna say another thing. Another thing, just to look at the, the kind of crazy scale of things with rockets, is that. It's still even hard to grasp. I remember again getting to stand near the rocket when it was up on the launch pad. Um, it's, I don't know, it's like, I think it's 17 stories high. It's like 170, 180 feet tall or something like that, right? Um, and that's to launch two people. Yes, that's right. <laughs> two people and some stuff, you know, so, so yeah. To they, keep the people alive, yeah. They could bring a bunch of cargo, but the, I think the vast majority of the weight, uh, the vast majority of what you're looking at is simply mass that's going to be converted into energy. Yep. It's just fuel. Yeah. 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 Because the outer skin even doesn't add up to a lot compared to, you know, what's inside, which is just all fuel. Um, 
so churches and uh, uh, everybody, it, it, organizations, and certainly companies. So space is very well populated. It sounds um, yeah, that's right. Um, very quickly, it's um, uh, yeah. I mean, the scale would also be. Let's see here. Um, large boats are probably about the same scale. So if you pick, oh, right. if you live on the yeah. coast, picture your local marina. Um, yeah. So orbit is now going to look like that. Yeah, and launch and and the marina is a rocket uh, port. Yep, spaceport. Okay. Um, and and it would have begun very early. So when you, I think what, what this takes us back to you mentioned that uh, some thousands of years ago, the Chinese discovered rockets for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, they would have gone right into space. Well, you know that's a good point, actually. So the same yeah. way that the pyramids were built just through human suffering right. and labor, um, yeah. rockets would get built the same way. Yeah, probably there would be on. putting their the pyramids. There'd be giant orbiting mausoleums full of mummies, that's right. full, full of that's right, full right. of medieval uh, Chinese kings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh it's pretty cool that is pretty let's get, cool let's get alistair reynolds back on uh, that would be and i should say actually this is uh, a slightly uh depressing tangent off this um yeah. but one of the so rocket fuel the some of the best things used for rocket fuel is hydrazine uh, uh -huh. which uh not only explodes easily but is also extremely toxic so uh, one of the uh -huh. difficulties yep. of yep. mid 20th century rocketry kind of early early modern rocketry um, uh, was that uh, it was really dangerous to handle the fuel. Um, so the Nazi solution to this, one of the reasons that the Nazis made lots of progress with rockets um, was to use um, concentration camp victims uh, to help build their rocket. Oh. So uh, hopefully we can avoid that particular thing. But if you sort of imagine the, uh, you know, the Egyptian slaves building the pyramids and dying in huge numbers, now they're building rockets um, on that wow. kind of pile of human suffering. Uh, now, the interesting thing about this is they did one thing to point out is they didn't. <laughs> this is before I don't know. You, you're going to know better than me that names of the historical eras. But I'm going to say this is before the is this before the Bronze Age or what, at what point? When the Chinese discovered rockets, did they? Have uh, it would have been early Iron Age. Uh, Iron Age, okay. Yes. So we would have had iron rockets. Uh, heavy. Yeah. So this is yeah. So this is <laughs> another problem: is that um, making material out of which, or finding material out of which you can build a rocket such that it doesn't explode before it gets you to orbit, um, right. is tricky as well. So I can imagine it might wait until, um, say. Uh, early modern metallurgy kind of renaissance era so right. maybe so maybe not the um uh the uh the pharaohs uh but maybe the ming yeah okay cool and to get the fuel itself is that difficult Seems like um, it, it is. Uh, yeah. the, the, the trick is keeping it from uh poisoning you or blowing up on you early on and this this takes ah, work so right. for instance uh, another good um uh, rocket fuel is just liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen uh, yeah and so if you if you think of the um uh, the classic space shuttle arrangement where there's the big fuel and then mm -hmm. the, the, the big fuel tank in the middle and the little boosters on the side right uh, the trick is keeping them cold uh mm -hmm. so you need 
you need some kind of refrigeration technology if you're going to use um, liquid fuels as well. Right. So that's like incredible. Is it right? right? That's like super cooling. Yeah, that's right. So like if you if you see um, if you think of sort of the classic images of the Saturn V taking off, you see all this yeah. ice and condensation falling yeah. off on the outside. That's because yeah. it, you have to keep the fuel cold. Um, right. And a lot of people feel like when, when you see a rocket on the launch pad and it looks, you know, you see um, white puffs of what look like smoke or something coming out. A lot of people feel like that's the heat. It's like steam coming out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not steam, well, it's sublimating uh, moisture or something, but it, steam, not in, in the sense of because it's so hot, it's because it's so cold. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so the Ming Dynasty has um, iron, or what would be the next material up? Well, it would some, be some form of steel. Um, steel. They get steel rockets. So the Ming Dynasty is on the moon. I mean, they would definitely go to the moon. Right? Uh, yeah, that's right. If we're going to uh, hand wave that enough. Um, yeah. I mean, and again, so there's. It would take over the moon for sure. So, yeah, that'd be cool because they were yeah. at that kind of thing. Now, would the ancient people have been able to build spacesuits? Um, well, this is an interesting question. Um, so when NASA realized it needed um, spacesuits in right. kind of the modern sense, um, spacesuits are a, a difficult thing to build because they have to be flexible and strong at the same uh -huh. time. Um, and that's not actually an easy thing to do. So they realized that they, they couldn't just build them out of cloth because they have to be pressurized. So they're going to need a, a rigid internal structure that can support weight, but at the same time um, have a tight fabric. So they say, well, who knows how to do that kind of thing? Um, and it turns out the answer was bra manufacturers. So NASA has to go to uh, uh, lingerie factories, actually, to, to build spacesuits. So as soon as civilizations can build bras, they can probably build spacesuits. So you were cutting out a lot through there. Ah. And I was, I was like, that sounds like he's talking about bras. I'm totally talking <laughs> about bras. Yeah. But you are. You're yeah. So, so you're talking about brazier technology. That is correct. If you can build braziers, you can build spacesuits. <laughs> Now you're totally gone. Ah, damn it. Oh, now you're back. You're back. All right. I think you just have to keep swearing. I guess that's, that's, I've got some <laughs> swearing filter. Those words go in. Um, um, yeah. Do we need to redo the braziers? Yes, we'd okay. redo the braziers. Right. So, uh, so, so, so can the ancient people build spacesuits? The ancient people can probably not build spacesuits. And the reason uh. for that is that they cannot build bras. So when NASA realizes it needs to build spacesuits, um, you need a rigid internal structure that can support weight and also have cloth stretched over it. And it turns out that the people who know how to do that are brazier manufacturers. So NASA has to go to lingerie factories to build spacesuits. Wow, I didn't know that. That's a great story. Isn't that cool? Wow. Yeah. Um, so the Hindenburg, the, Ze the Zeppelins didn't mm -hmm. qualify. They weren't uh, flexible not enough. No, because you need, because yeah. uh, you need a, a, a person size scale thing. So bra manufacturers are where it's at. Amazing. Amazing. So the whole Ming dynasty grounded because due to a lack of, of lack yeah. of bras. Right. Um, but they could probably figure that out. 
Yeah, and I should say there's another problem too, which is that uh, you kind of need Newtonian physics to get your rocket anywhere oh. you want. Um, it's hard to do trial and error once you're launching people into space. So you might have to wait for someone to even figure out linear physics of, of the Newtonian sort so you yeah. can get your rocket to where you want it to be. Right. But it'd be, it'd be a, I could, just like we were talking about the building of the pyramids, I think it was probably a brute force you know, uh, learn as you go, learn on the job situation. Yeah, that's right. And that's, um, that's a thing you can do if rockets are cheap and easy to make, right? Then they're more yeah. like bicycles, as you said. Uh, right. Like if your first 20 bicycles break apart, it's not that big a deal. You can keep building your bicycles and you're good to go. Right. Um, and if rockets are similarly cheap, then that's not a big deal either um if the rocket is takes the amount of effort it takes to build a saturn V, you cannot just try that over and over again right in fact actually the you know the evolution of the aircraft industry really was pretty i mean they the wright brothers made bikes yep. uh, you know it was they were basically building kites mm -hmm. um, with small and, you know, very small engines on yeah, them. Yeah, and that's the big transition that happens in aeronautics in the middle of the 20th century is airplanes yeah. go from something you can build in your backyard to something you need a factory to build, um, right. right? You cannot build a 747 in your backyard now. True. Well, just let alone the homeowners association agreeing. Oh, yeah, you're going to have some serious not in my backyard problems there. <laughs> like, what is this voice? welding going on all night um but uh, uh it makes me think that rocketry and being largely ballistic in nature in some way explosions and ballistic you know blah, blah, um that they might have done rocketry as transportation before they even got into aeronautics um that's probably right again the problem there is uh, the landing side of things how do you right. get your rocket on the other side but i should say um in the early 20th century there were attempts at rocket air mail um across oh, chesapeake really? bay um, they tried just blasting rockets across um but it uh, turns out that not everybody likes having rockets fired um at their town so <laughs> you know i grew up actually very near the chesapeake oh, nice. bay and we launched rockets all the time i never <laughs> thought to put my mail in <laughs> that's great uh very cool so um Another thing I feel like here's, we'll start to wrap up with this, but uh, orbital dynamics is very complicated. Yeah. So in fact, even just let's say they would want to go to the moon, they got over. Well, they would have to get over certain mythological um, feelings about the moon. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but I feel like the king would say, "Go right. there anyway." Even even into orbit is uh, a challenge in terms of orbital dynamics if you don't have the physics um if you don't have the concepts necessary right it's going to be really tricky so what ha what what probably would happen to them they would they would launch they'd go up uh eventually they'd have a a rocket they need a rocket that has escape velocity but let's assume they do that yeah so if you just point your rocket straight away from the earth and just right. keep going in the same direction you will just leave you won't go into orbit you'll just go into deep space and die horribly right. um, so to get yourself into a stable orbit uh that's pretty tricky right um, or even just to hit the moon like in that great <laughs> that early silent film yes, by, right. uh, um, yeah and orbital yeah. dynamics is sort of counterintuitive 
So it would be very yeah. hard to, because you, you might say, well, I'll just, you know, get a joystick and just uh, point the rocket where I want. That turns out to be really difficult to do. So for instance, um, Neil Armstrong talks about how one of the, the big challenges in terms of learning uh, orbital dynamics is that uh, your intuition of how to fly a rocket is almost exactly the opposite um, uh, of yeah. what it takes to fly an airplane. So if you want to go, yeah. for instance, if you want to go down, like closer to the surface of the earth in an airplane, you point down. If you want to go down in orbital dynamics, you pull up. Um, and that's really confusing. Right, because up is faster and well, down is yeah, slower. It, it gets confusing fast, but yes. Yeah, yeah, very confusing. Anyone who's ever played uh, that very, very early video game, uh, what was it called? There was thing with lunar lander, and there was even one before that, space force yeah, or something like one that. One of the things that makes, for instance, um, uh, what's it called, Kerbal Space Program. That's right. As a fun yep. program for for learning the ins and outs of this kinds of craziness. Absolutely, Kerbal Space Program, and and uh, I'd love to. We, so future no, future show idea, I and mean, get someone from there on. Uh, also, there's an incredible if you want on YouTube. Uh, Scott Manley is the king of. Um, videos and science lessons all about rocketry stuff like that he's incredible so we'll get him on someday um well all right so we as we leave it the um the chinese the question will be did the ming dynasty manage to figure out how to get to the moon that would have been a major 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 challenge mm -hmm. um if they had just vast amounts of fuel which even there would have been a lesson they might have been able to do it just by sort of like trial and error yeah um and uh, by the time our generation is born, I mean, the, the amount of uh, the world would be crazy. It would have been so different. I mean, you would, there's no, we haven't even had an industrial revolution and already the moon has been conquered. Uh, yeah, that's probably right. Madness. Mm -hmm. That would have probably kickstarted an industrial revolution of some kind. Um, so, yeah. Boy, Space Force already exists. It didn't need to be created. Yes, that's right. It was I, I the first. Know. That's right. I don't know how to say Space Force in um, Chinese. So, right. We better learn um, in this alternate alternate universe. Fantastic. See, I love and I love. I must. Say, it goes all the way back to when we started doing this show. This crazy idea. I love all the crazy questions that come about. Um, so fascinating. Thank you for taking us. Thank you for bringing us to the moon. Um, from the Cub Scouts. From the Cub Scouts, yes, that's right. From the Cub Scouts to the moon. The patch you get when you make your first moon landing mm -hmm. would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, that would be, I don't know what they would call that, uh, your astronaut patch, your lunar lander, lunar lander patch. Um, wonderful, so uh, anything coming up that you'd like to, uh, to plug? Uh, let's see here. No, I don't think so. Maybe later in the summer, something will be going on, but nothing soon. All right. Nothing soon is happening. Um, hoping everything is, uh, well with you, uh, and, and, and the, as the entire world navigates this pandemic in all its different ways, uh, keep in touch with us. You can email us at feedback at whattheif.com. Um, tell us, have you ever experimented with rocketry? Oh, I should say, just to keep us from lawsuits, no one right. should go try to build a rocket in their backyard right now. Don't. Don't do that. Don't try that. Don't try home. to make hydrazine in your basement. Right. Or in your church. <laughs> Tell the church. <laughs> 
disband the church group, <laughs> the church rocketry group. <laughs> um, I would love to talk. You know, there might have been a space race between the church and the synagogue. You know, just the two oh, neighbors. Yes, just, would totally have been down for rockets. They were really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, boy, the whole history of religion. Mean, this is a crazy scenario. Um, if you're aware of any, by the way, science fiction novels or things like this that tread to go down this road, I'd be interested to. Well, uh, I should say there's, there's a, a, a fairly famous science fiction novel called The, the Sparrow, um, uh -huh. which is actually about the Jesuits being the first people to develop or to go oh. to another star. Um, it's a really good novel. It's a little disturbing and not good for kids, um, but it's a really fantastic novel. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right. Good. I'm glad we can get a literary recommendation in here, too. Let's kick this show up a little, a little notch in classiness. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yes, yeah, so you email us at feedback at whattheif.com. I highly encourage you to go to our website, whattheif.com, where you can um, take a look at uh, all the different shows we've done, and you can listen to them all there. Or another way to do that, if you haven't already, is to subscribe to the podcast using your podcast app whichever it is. Um, if you just happen to find us on your podcast app and you hadn't subscribed, you just search for what the if and put a question mark at the end. Seems to help the searching. It'll pop up and you can probably just hit the subscribe button right there on your app. Um, or if you want to just super easy way to remember it, go to the website, whattheif.com and you can subscribe right there on the page. You can also write to us right there on the page and, and send it to us as well. So um, we are on Twitter at what the if show. And we are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash what the if, where, Howard, it's, I, Howard, are you still, are you still with us? Yep. Howard has, it, you've been building um, the what the if, what's the, the group has a name, the discussion, what the ifers? What the ifers, yes. What the ifers. Um, and uh, tell us one exciting thing that we have planned coming to the Facebook group. Well, uh, we'll set up polls um so um uh, the audience can give um, suggestions and to uh, future podcast topics or uh you know they can even ask questions that will be featured in the podcast yeah fantastic in fact maybe we would i don't know if we'll do this yet because we gotta get the thing up and running but if it had if it was all going now we we could have created a poll that said where would you go if you could if you can make a rocket in your garage right now, where would you go? What would you do with it? Exactly. That'd be yeah. a good one. That'd be a good one. And uh, Howard Zhang, he takes care of all that stuff. Also, Ilya Zhang does amazing work on providing all kinds of extra content, all kinds of extra educational materials on the website for every episode. You can learn all kinds of new stuff there. And, and um, she keeps the Twitter stream full of that kind of stuff, too. So follow us, connect uh, would be fantastic. And we do take on shows suggested by you so you are more than encouraged to send us your ifs or your questions or anything and um so now i'm imagining i'm imagining everyone out there in the audience thousands upon thousands of people all over the world all who have their own personal rockets and are sending us ifs uh with them they're all headed towards us various um you know, the guidance systems on these may, may come and go, uh, you know, they may not all make it here, but a significant amount will. And so as you imagine them coming that, uh, do you think, how, do you have any reaction? Should uh, we react I, I, I might scream. Maybe we should scream. 
I think we should scream. All right. We'd scream. What? The? the <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>